Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Violin Podcast, where we have conversations with violinists from around the world. I'm your host, Eric Mugala, and thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to hit the subscribe button on the podcast platform of your choice. It really helps us out to provide more amazing content for you. In today's episode, we have London-based artist Leonardo Frigo. And what's really interesting about Leonardo is that he does art on musical instruments, specifically violins and cellos. And in today's episode, I get to talk to him about his art and his gargantuan project that involves Dante's Inferno. So please stick around for this amazing interview. Let's jump right in. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Leonardo Frigo with me on the Violin Podcast. And, you know, normally I have violinists, violin makers, you know, luthiers on the Violin Podcast. But today is a special day because we have an actual artist on the Violin Podcast who draws and has amazing, amazing artwork on the violin. So, Leonardo, I would love for you to share your story with us and how you're able to combine the idea of artwork onto the onto musical instrument because it's not just violin, you also did a cello if I remember correctly. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, my my art and what I do, um I paint uh, on instrument uh, string instruments. I started violin uh between uh, I studied violin for five years between my when I was 13 and 18 and I really loved and I was always in love with the violin and with the shape as well of the violin and the story I remember when I went to Cremona in Italy for the first time with my mother and I was a child and I saw the museum and the story about Stradivari and I was really really in love with uh, the violin, not only with the sound, but the shape and the history and everything about it. And so I wanted to combine my art. Um, I always draw on paper as well. So when I was 16, I wanted to combine my passion in one object. So I removed the varnish. My mother was very angry with me <laughs> because I removed the varnish from my violin. From my oh my, first... that, that must have been uh, an interesting yes. <laughs> situation with mom. If, if, mom t if mom is angry about you releasing the varnish, then we have some trouble for sure. <laughs> yes. yes, so I was like 16 and it was my first violin, but I upgraded my violin. So I bought a second one. So my first one, I was like, okay, you know, I can play around with it. And I removed the varnish. My mother was very angry with me. And I painted. So I used it as a canvas. And that was my first violin. That is still in my mother's house. It's like the first piece that I ever made. And when I painted this violin, I had my... It's a very strange story. My violin teacher saw it. I was like, it's very interesting. I can talk with my sister. She's organizing like local exhibitions. 
So um, I had the violin in an art exhibition. It was very strange to have a violin, an instrument in an art exhibition. There was only canvases in this exhibition. And I want a small prize. I mean, it was a very local exhibition. And this prize was to have the room, a solo exhibition for a month. So I realized that I had to make more artworks, more violins. And so I bought, in time, I spent like more than, than a year. I, I, I was working in a restaurant. So saving money and I was buying secondhand violins or violins that people weren't using anymore. And I removed the varnish from all of them. And I painted my first collection that uh, were the seven daily scenes. So there were seven violins and each violin was inspired by a scene. And plus a cello, as you said. Um, on the cello, I painted uh, the four season, uh, Antonio Vivaldi, Le Quattro Stagioni. So on the front part, uh, there was the autumn and the, uh, no, sorry, there was spring and summer. And on the back, autumn and winter. As we know, Vivaldi wrote the music, but there are like all the symbols linked to the opera, to the music. So uh, he described the birds, the sound of the violins is like the birds and all these symbols, I paint them on the cello. So I was describing and we were listening to Antonio Vivaldi, the Four Seasons, and you could see all the symbols that Vivaldi described. So this was the first collection and uh, there was this cello and seven daily scenes. And, and from there, uh, I moved on on the second project that um, I'm very happy to share with you is about Dante's Inferno. Yes, definitely. And I would love to tackle Dante's Inferno in a moment because it's a fascinating project that you that you created for yourself <clears throat> in a span of five years. But I want to I want to go back to um, using the violin as a canvas, you know, for us violinists, we are always talking about the violin being our canvas to create beautiful sound, but you did it literally. What is the process of you creating the artwork and then putting it on the instrument? Do you, do you have like a rough draft of uh, like on, on a piece of paper that you are wanting to then put onto the instrument or are you doing the artwork as you go from, from what you envision in your head? So um, the process is quite long. Because I paint, uh, for example, if we think about um, the daily, the seven daily scenes, I thought I studied everything. So I was researching on uh, um, art history, literature, and on the Bible as well, like symbols for religions that was linked to. So it was. All this part is the first part where I study and I try to find the symbols and the illustrations. On the second uh, part, the second step is to draw on paper. So I have my sketchbook with the violin shape that I draw and I just try to place all the illustrations and the names on, on paper to understand this, this space as well and, and that there is a nice army on the shape and on the uh, illustrations. The violin is very small, we know. It's, it's not a big canvas, it's not one meter um, or one that you can really have space. It's quite small. So 
I really need to study very well where to place the illustration and how to do it. The process after that was, for the first few violins, I was removing the varnish. So it was very like, uh, it was bad for the instrument because the instrument was uh, finished with a nice varnish and I was just, I was 16, I was just removing the varnish and it was very bad for the violin. So it was more like an art piece. Now I collaborate with violin makers in, in London and in Florence in Italy and they build the violin. We study, we understood how to prepare the violin to be painted and after how to varnish on the top of the, the paint to not change the sound of the violin, to keep the high quality of the instrument. So there was all that part of studies and tests, a um, lot of mistakes, a <laughs> lot of violins. <laughs> we are ruining a lot of violins, but uh, we found, the, I can say the perfect recipe for the varnish, the perfect recipe for the ink, because I'm mixing five different types of inks to have like a, a resistant ink that can work very well on wood. So there was a lot of study. Uh, and after that, I just paint the violin. And Simple as that. Done. Just after that, you just paint the violin. <laughs> yeah, when I have all the illustrations, when I have all the illustration, everything is in my mind, is on paper. I just go and I paint the violin. And after we varnish, we varnish it and the artwork or the musical instrument is ready. You know, I find it fascinating because I, I, you know, I've been following you for some time now, actually way long before I started the Violin Podcast. And I was such a fan. And, you know, you really bring the audience into your process. Even if it's a work in progress, you are, you know, you're showing everyone how you are drawing the violins. And there is some, um, when, I, when, I, when I look at your artwork... Leonardo, there is a sense of balance. And that's that's why I wanted to ask you, like, if you are able to put something from paper and then put it on on the instrument, is that something that you did in your head? Or you 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 have strategically mapped out what every single dot, every single line, every single image is on the instrument. And I also found it fascinating that these instruments, even though you have put so much work into them, they're also you're able to play on them. Right. And there was a and before we get to Dante's Inferno, because I know everyone who is listening to the violin podcast is just craving that. But I want you to talk a bit about the, the exhibition where you collaborate with um, with the with the luthier. And there was a there was a performance in one of those exhibitions. And what was that like for you um, as as an artist to be able to hear your artwork literally uh, in that in that museum? Yeah, that was amazing. That exhibition was the first Dante's Inferno exhibition that I had in uh, June in Vicenza. It's a town near Venice. It's a beautiful town. And in that moment, it was just amazing because in that uh, room, uh, there was me, the violin maker and the violinist. And I remember uh, Federico Guglielmo, he's a, an amazing violinist from Italy. And he just, in his speech, he's just said that it was amazing because to be there and how can I explain in a nice way? Um, with 
we thought about what is art together. And I couldn't create art without the violin maker and without him playing the violin. And he couldn't play without the violin maker. So for us, art is like something that we need to share and we can create it only thanks to the team, to be a group of people. I couldn't do it uh, to paint a violin without the violin maker and without a violinist. So it was a very nice combination and I could see my violin played and really combine all my passion because he played, for example, Vivaldi. And I was like, really, really thinking, oh my God, we combined everything in this moment. And it was a very, I was very emotional in that. <laughs> in that it was moment. truly a collaborative effort. You cannot yeah. do one thing without the other. Yeah, that was very nice. But uh, yes, so that was the first Dante's Inferno exhibition that I, if you want, I can share with you the story. Uh, please do to speak away because this was a five year long project. And then having that you know, having the violinist perform your instrument, you know, after five long years. And if you could tell the audience how many instruments you've done for this project and what inspired you to do Dante's Inferno, because they're, you know, it's a, it's a very famous, you know, very famous story, but I wanted to get your take on it. Yes, sure. Um, as I said before, um, there are passions that are with me since I was a child. So as that journey to Cremona to see Stradivari and the museum with my mother, I have a memory. Uh, I think I was six years old and all with my mother <laughs> bought me a Divine Comedy. So Dante's Inferno um, illustrated for children. So there was like not a lot of text, a lot of illustrations. I love this kind of books because you can just look at them and not read a lot. <laughs> so I was in love with the story. And so I always, it was always in my mind since I was a child, this beautiful story is a journey. Um, I just explain very fast for, for who doesn't know about Dante. Um, it was a poem written by Dante Alighieri uh, in 13th century in Florence. And no, sorry, Dante, it was from Florence and he wrote uh, the Divine Comedy. He was in exile in Italy and is, a, is divided in three and is uh, Dante's Inferno, Dante's Purgatory and Dante's uh, Heaven or Paradise. And it's about a journey that he does through the hell, Purgatory and Heaven. And in total, there are 100 chapters or canti and Dante's Inferno that I did the exhibition is about the first 34 chapters. So there is the first chapter that is the introduction and 33 chapters in total. So after, I mean, I always loved Dante. I went to the uni in Venice and I studied art restoration. And something funny is that in the main class, there was a big sculpture of Dante looking at me all the time, every, every day. It was this big sculpture in the room and I was like feeling that he was looking at me every single day. It was like, you need to do something about me. <laughs> so it was like in a funny way, it was fun. But I was at the uni 
and I just finished that project about the seven daily scenes where I study a bit of Dante's Inferno as well to paint the scenes in the violins. And I thought, okay, now it's time to do something. I need to add and combine Dante as well in my passion, in my art. And I started writing down on a book some ideas. I thought, okay, I will paint one cello for Dante's Inferno, one cello for Dante's Purgatory, and one for the Heaven. And after I thought, uh, I can't put all Dante's Inferno in one cello. Is I was just going to say, there's 34 chapters, and I believe yeah. you have yeah. 34 instruments total, which is fitting. So you have each instrument for each chapter explaining what's happening in the story. Yeah. So after that, I just changed my mind. I was like, no, I need to do a bigger project. Um, so I wrote down on this book, one cello for the first chapter as introduction and 33 violins for one for each chapter. So it was a quite a very big project and a collection. And it was 2000, uh, between 2015 and 2016. And I said, okay, I need to finish this project in five years because in 2021, we will celebrate 700 years uh, anniversary from Dante's death. So I was like, that is my deadline. I need to do it. So my journey started like a bit like Dante's, that he was in a journey. I started my journey with project. I left Venice. I moved in London. I was looking for a more international audience and being in a big city with meeting different people and try to really create this project and London is great quite... yeah I think I feel like London in general has a great art scene so I feel like you plant yourself in a very strategic location in terms of that um I I love London I, I was only there one time you know before my journey when we were before the podcast started rolling i spent a week in london i just something about that city has this, there's this liveliness that's very similar to new york and um, i hope one day that you can bring all your artwork stateside so that way the entire world can see when the world starts opening up yeah but I <laughs> but i do want to talk about the the amount of time that takes to complete one instrument, especially in this project, 34 instruments, you know, that happened within a span of five years. How long would it take you to complete an instrument, one instrument, for instance? Let, let's oh. say not, not, not the cello, because the cello, I feel like, is a gargantuan project that takes many, many months. But let's say for, the, for a violin for this project. Yeah, so uh, it depends, because sometimes was... Um... I can say that is between one and two months uh, it can take, but sometimes was more, other times was less time. And it's, it's very hard to say because I was like painting um, like every five violins and after we were varnished them and prepared them and after I was doing other five and other times I was just doing one all the process. Uh, and the same as I was saying before, I was studying so sometimes i was studying one canto one chapter at the time other times i wasn't painting for three months but i was just researching for three months so it was very it was very detailed and very it's very hard to say an exactly amount of time i know that when i started and moving london 
I started the project. I started from the cello. I finished it in December 2020. And I can say that every single day and week, I worked on something about this project. I spoke about Dante. I tried to make connection and how to create um, everything. Because it's not only the project. I could do it alone, but I had to share it and try to find museums where to do the first few exhibitions, connection and find the violin makers. So it was like, yeah, it took a long time to combine and find the right people as well, the right people to collaborate with and do I all feel the- like I feel like that's half the battle. It, the half the battle is just finding the right people around you so that you, you surround yourself with good people that will help get the vision come to life. I, I think that's important in any profession, in arts field, in music, in business, what, whatever the case may be. And also you make those connections with museum exhibitors and and hopefully, um, you know, I am just astounded. I, I honestly, I really hope I get to play on one of your instruments if I'm in, if I'm in Europe one day. The actual drawing, there's so much more than that. The actual history, the actual research on based on one chapter goes into play, could take one month, could take many months, depending on how you envision that story. So in university, did you did you go as an art major or was was drawing something that kind of uh, came out unexpectedly for you? Because you had you talked about the history with violence and so it's Antonio Stradivari and you know, being in Cremona early on. But what about what about your drawing history? It was kind of the same. I always I was always a creative child. Uh, I was making stuff, drawing, painting. My grandmother, yeah, my grandmother was my inspiration. She's now she's ninety two, and she's a crazy lady, crazy <laughs> artist. And so you know, if you've grown up and you see that your grandma, she's just creating one a month of sculpture and the month after is doing she's doing painting and she's just show you how to do different and how to open your mind i remember that when i told her i want to paint on violins i mean it's something weird it's not normal <laughs> and she told me do it express yourself don't listen what uh, other people are saying just just do it because i can imagine that I mean, at the uni, in, I was uh, studying art, and my professor was like, oh, what are you doing? There is no sense in what you are doing. And but I had my vision. I had my vision to share my culture, my passions, that is, okay, music, uh, dance, and everything, in a different way. So I can see, like, with the exhibition, I was bringing very young generation to see something different and was like, who is Dante? And, oh, these are violins. So people are just, they go somewhere to expect something. And after they can see, they can listen to the sound. They can see it. They can read about Dante's Inferno. So that, that is my vision, is how to really put everything in one room and with a nice balance and try to share it. Um, so I just, yeah. That's fine. Going. Yeah. I think that the moment people start thinking you're crazy is when you start going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> In my experience, you know, when someone, 
when someone tells you, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. Yeah. You know, you like just... recent, like recently, uh, a good example, I started a YouTube channel doing, you know, violent tutorials and violent kind of education type videos. This was in the beginning of the pandemic because I needed um, an outlet for my students who are, we're all kind of secluded in our, in, in our homes and we can't really travel anywhere, but they needed not just the not just the students, but the parents needed something to look at and describe and for me to describe to the parents so that way they can describe it to the child on how to play. So and I found it to be and you know, my wife was like, What are you doing making all these videos have like you know, these like these crazy backgrounds? But you know, for I I enjoyed it and uh and uh it, it has a has a growing following but and you know my biggest critic is my wife <laughs> so so i really i really do rely on her it's like yeah maybe you shouldn't have made that video or it's like oh maybe you can do something better but but yeah if you have a vision and yeah. just stick with it i think that is definitely the goal even as an artist as a just as a human being you always want to continue being better you know i know that my mentor and maybe your mentors have always taught you to you know whatever you do you want to become better the next day yeah, whatever yeah. whatever you do i think that we need to say that um I, I want just to share this because i think we are like uh, artists we are musicians and this podcast uh the motivation i mean is it, very hard it, it wasn't easy in my past five years to create this uh collection and and everything i had some very bad weeks that i was like my motivation was I lost my motivation. I didn't know where to find it. And I think that it can be for musicians as well. I mean, I remember when I was studying violin, there was like for a few years, a few months, I was like super happy. And after I lost my motivation for a bit, I was feeling very down. But I think that if you close your eyes and you have your vision, if you want to arrive somewhere, just try to keep going. So it's what I did in the past five years. I was like, okay, it's tough because it has to be tough. It will be much nicer when it's done and when we arrive somewhere. So yeah, the motivation uh, is a big part. We just need to keep going on everything. But most importantly, you had a destination. You yeah. know, you had you had a place in which you are striving towards. You know, if 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 you know if we we're going somewhere but there's no there's no destination then we'll always be taking a detour trying to figure out um where to go and i feel like that that will happen for many people you know they're just kind of they're just trying to dip their wa their feet in the water um just so so that way they know what sticks i know that happened to me for a very long time you know you said you were working in restaurants you know i worked in retail as well while i was uh when i graduated from uni as well from conservatory and there was, yeah, I, we would be lying to the audience to say, yeah, yeah, music is an easy field. You know, art's an easy field. But I think the reward, that there's a high risk, high reward component to uh, to what we do. And I think it's, you know, it's it's always fascinating to talk to people like you because it's um, it's inspiring for, for someone like me to continue doing this podcast for instance and to can talk and continue to, to to learn you know and to be better i would love to talk about your violin education because you said you played a little bit do you still play now 
or do you folk uh, as like a hobby or um or do you play in no, some no. ensembles i'd love to know no 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 i i stopped i stopped because <laughs> first it, it wasn't very nice for my flatmates and <laughs> people that yeah you're telling me you're telling me i had a i had a bassoon roommate and sometimes yeah. i'm working on new music and it has like a lot of crunchy sound and i had to go to the practice room in the conservatory to do all that stuff <laughs> he's like get out of here that was a bit tough and yeah so it was just for um I would love to to restart studying. Um, I have to say the past five years, I was like really into my project. It was like if I had three hours, I was just reading and painting. So I didn't really, I didn't have my mindset like relax, say, okay, I can start uh, playing. Uh, yeah, I played for five years. Um, it was, I studied for five years. It was very nice i really love that and but i have to say that i wasn't i wasn't great so my motivation as i said before my motivation i lost a bit of my motivation and i thought that my vision of myself wasn't to be a violinist i, f I felt that uh, inside me i was like i love to do this but it's not what i can i can really be I mean, I can practice and everything, but I realized that it wasn't my my way to, to do it properly. But I, I do want to point out, though, was something that uh, oftentimes musicians struggle with, too. You can't beat everything at once. Yeah. And it's okay to admit defeat for the greater purpose of what you're meant to do on this earth, I think, personally. I know that I can't be everywhere. I can't do everything. But I know I'm good at this. And I know I'm good at this and I want to try combining the two and then try to manifest that vision. So I, I just want to point that out there that, that it's uh, it's, a, it's an important thing to, to kind of point out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but as I said, I love, I loved and I love violin. So I was like, it's a part of me. It's a part of my life. So I bring it in my art and I, I'm touching violins every day. So this is something that I really, really like, but I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> and yeah, so... I, I, I can resonate with what you're saying, because I think everybody who's going to conservatory are always under the impression that they're going to be winning an orchestra job or they're going to be in a string quartet and they'll have management and then they'll be touring around the world. And, you know, that may happen. And I really wish you the best if that does happen. But but it's OK if it doesn't. And yeah. it's okay to find something else within the music field to, you know, to grow with, you know, there is arts management, arts administration, obviously, you are combining mu music and art, literally. And I think what um, a lot of students, I mean, the world is changing so quickly with the with, with the internet now, that you don't, you know, you have violent content creators. Now, it's not so much you have to get in a violent orchestra to to make or break a career and i yes yes no, no it's the same with uh with art like there is music and to be an artist as well i mean as as you said if you are a violinist you are um, dreaming or hoping to be in an orchestra it's the same like for myself that i was like thinking I will be in an art gallery. I will sign up. 
an amazing contract with an art gallery. And I realized that it didn't work for me. I didn't create something commercial enough for an art gallery. And I, I was really down. I was like, how is it possible? Um, I was feeling really down, but I realized that we have internet now and there are other opportunities. I was like, if they don't want me, I just doing how I have my vision. So I was contacting just museum without talking with art galleries and say, this is the project. And I created a different way of, you know, uh, organize my work. So, and I really like that. It's more like uh, friendly as well to talk directly with someone and create something. So sometimes if we get a big no from an orchestra or an art gallery, maybe it's, it's better, it's good, because it's not how we work. We can just change and find another solution. So just, yeah, we need to just keep going. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, of course. Now, we've, t we've talked about the Seven Sins. We've talked about the Dante's Inferno. Is there a project that's lingering in your head that you're like, hmm, that would be fascinating, or this could be something worth doing? Um, as, a, as a new project. As a new project, yeah, without uh, having to give too many ideas away, of course. No, no, it's, it's fine. Um, okay, this is quite long to explain. I will try to explain it very, very fast. Sure. There is another, there is another passion in my life. <laughs> and is a globe uh, making, so globes. And that is one my passion. I'm a globe maker as well. So I work oh, wow. to create globes. And when I sat in Venice, um, I went to a museum, is a Basilica dei Frari, is a, is a church. Basilica is a, is a big, big church in, in Venice. And I learned that in the 17th century, there was a priest, a monk, that he was creating globes, the first globes. So he was studying the stars and creating these amazing globes that are uh, famous. Uh, his, his name is Coronelli. They are all over the world. They are in Paris, in America, in Italy. There are lots of them. So now I arrive at... Uh, I finished my Dante's Inferno project and I was like, okay, now I want to combine Coronelli and glove making as well in my art, in my passion. So I'm planning to create the first Dante's globe. So it's, it's a globe that uh, explains all the places that Dante's described in the Divine Comedy. So in his journey, he just described for example, Italy, France, Spain, India. He just explained a little bit of how is the geography in 13th century. So my next project is to create uh, a globe, a 3D globe with, all, with his map. So this is something that I'm thinking and that I would like to do and create like a physical inferno, hell, the purgatory and the paradise with meridians so create a proper um universe let's say wow. that's 
universe. So this is the next big project. That's the next frontier. I I, yes. I am looking forward to just seeing the the work in progress. I find that I mean the the finished result is fantastic, right? You know, like being able to see your artwork in or even listening to a recording of yourself playing like the finished product is great, but the process of making it is part of the journey as well. And I think um, it's it's the best part. I think that it's often overlooked because, you know, everybody just looks at the violin at the end and they may ask you, you know, okay, how long did it take you like me, you know, on the violin podcast. But you're the only one that knows I, spent countless sleepless hours <laughs> making all of this but yeah it's like in a concerto when you you listen a very nice concerto a concert yeah. and you think uh, it's beautiful it's 15 minutes but you don't understand uh, really every single musician story and how much they started to arrive on that stage to perform so it's something very important to yeah open our mind and think when we saw when we see something or we listen to something it's like it's not just that 15 minutes concert it's like probably a lifetime study so this is what i I really like to think when i see like musical or or concert i'm always thinking it's a lot it's a lot of work, but I I'm just amazed by your 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 artistry, your artwork. I love how you're combining the music world with the art world and making something creative and new of your own. And uh, I I'm glad to have met you. Really, I'm glad to meet you. I'm I hope I get to meet all my violin podcast guests in person. You know, I've been saying that for the last few episodes now, but when the world opens up, I want to meet. I'm going to do this. I really hope that I can just meet everyone um, and, you know, get to talk to them again. But ladies and gentlemen, Leonardo Frigo, you can find him on Instagram. You can find him on his website. I'll leave all those links down in the description below. If you like this episode of the Violin Podcast, we'd really appreciate you rate the podcast and, um, you know, share it with someone who might find value and interest in what we're doing. So, Leonardo, thank you again. And uh, have a have a wonderful evening in London. I know that we're with a time difference. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank take you. care.